This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. How's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Western Centric. Thank you guys for taking the time out of your day to listen to the show. I am your host, Colton Davies, and alongside me is my co-host, Matthew Zader. Today, we're going to be talking about the conference finals. We finally got the WHL's conference finals, so we'll do a little preview of that. Well, we'll actually do a full preview of that. Uh, We're going to do a small review of the 2022 Bantam Draft that did take place this morning. Um, We are recording this on Thursday. Uh, We'll talk a little bit about that as we do have a guest coming on next week to do a full recap. Uh, We'll talk about the WHL Player and Goalie of the Week Awards. 104 uh, CHL graduates have advanced to the next round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. So if there's time, we'll touch on that. And then, of course, WHL alumni Patrick Marlowe announced his NHL retirement. So we'll talk a little bit about his WHL career. And that is, uh, that's the show today. Um, So Western Conference, I mean, my canvas Blazers versus your Vancouver Giants. That was a series and a half. Um, I mean, holy cow. Hats off to the Giants for the for their run that they went through to begin with because that Everett team, um, I mean, nobody saw that coming. So for them to beat Everett and move on, I mean, we talked about it on previous episodes, but, I mean, just a an absolute battle by them to get through that. And then they ran into a steaming hot Camels Blazers, which, I mean, at, at one point I was quite scared. So. <laughs> well, I mean, winning two games against them is pretty good. I mean, uh, yeah, you know, uh, you know, you've pats off to the Giants, like, you know, you, you're competing against. And I said before this series that they were going to win a couple. Um, yep. And oh, I, I don't know what I said. I think I did. I say in six. I can't remember. Actually. I think you said in six. Yeah, I think I did say in six. So uh, there's point into the win column for me on that one. Um, Absolutely. But yeah. It, you know, hats off to them. Like I said before, you know, they, they went and they made it into the playoffs with a, a sub 500 record. 
um, and and put you know eliminated the Everett Silver Tips, which you know one of the best teams in the West in um, the WHL this season. And then you go up against the Canvas Blazers, another really good team, um, and they they win two games against them too. So yep. that's pretty good. So I think that series was well, that series was was really good too. So you know, while we'll talk about the next one, which is going to be a heck of a series in the, in the finals here. Yeah. They, you know, Vancouver, um, they managed to match Camels. Like that first game, Camels kind of, it was like a feel out game. Camels won, but then like, I don't know, like it seemed like maybe in Camels' mind, they were like, Oh, maybe we have this type thing. And they just kind of let their guard down. Cause when, you know, for Vancouver to get those two wins over them was, I think shocked a lot of people because more people I think thought Spokane would get a couple wins out of Camels yeah. in Vancouver, um, just because of how the series the season series went between the camp between the Blazers and the Giants. But I mean, I was I mean, hats off to the Giants. They got a good team, and like yeah. next year, that's a that's another team that's looking nice. I mean, I don't know if Vikman or Lizell come back. I'm Ostapchuk is looking quite quite good, obviously, um, but I mean, yeah. Good, good for them. And I mean, the Blazers, they just, they dominated. Um, they guys like Stan Coven obviously just came out and just did what he needed to do and help guide the team to the conference finals for the first time since yeah. 2012, 13. And I mean, that Seattle and Portland series, that was, that was one to watch. That was a heck of a series. I mean, full seven games, nice little battle between those two teams um i am kind of worried for seattle <laughs> just because i mean that that team is just like on fire right now i mean thomas millich is so solid in that right now yeah. and then you know korchinski and spishkovsky um you I mean the list goes on for guys they have jared davidson's an older an overager yeah. who's doing really well for them um but i mean that's another great series that one i mean wow yeah, I mean, there's a lot of good series in this one, like and a lot of standout uh, players too. That yeah. uh, you know, dominating different series. Well, I mean, for Kamloops, that uh, Toporowski. Uh, yep. You know, he's been, he was really good. Uh, Stan Coven, we've talked about multiple times on this show of how good yep. he's been, and uh, and then you look on the you know Giants side, Adam Hall with ten goals. I mean, that's yeah. really good. And then of course Ostapchaka with seven and. Um, you know, a lot of points in that first round and then Lysel too. So um, a lot of standouts in that series and it, it's going to be really good to see what um, Kamloops does in the next round because uh, they look pretty much unstoppable right now, even though the Giants did win those two games. Yep. I think that's a fair thing. That's a fair, it's a fair statement to make. Um, I'm going to say like, as for a prediction for the Kamloops and Seattle series, I'm going to say Kamloops in five. I'll give Seattle a, a game, I think. But I think, um, I mean, there's just the the battle and like just the intensity that Kamloops brings to the to, you know to each game is just unmatched right now. And I mean, yeah. Stan Coben's averaging two points a game, just over two points a game. So I mean, good luck. Him and Toporowski <laughs> are just such a such a dynamic duo. It's insane. Semenov looked really good at times too during the series. And I just yep. did a prospect profile on him and I, I really like how he plays. I think I've mentioned that on this show before too. So yeah, uh, just a, yeah. he's a workhorse. Like the guy never stops working. And I think that's the one thing that um, 
will get them to the NHL. It's just that relentless motor and the work ethic. Yeah, full for sure. And you mentioned that in your article. Yeah. I saw that. Yeah. Um, and then, so like the Blazers and Thunderbirds met, uh, they met three times during the 2021-2022 WHL regular season with Kamloops going two and one. Um, as I mentioned too at the beginning, that's the Blazers' first conference final since 2013 and the Thunderbirds' first trip to the conference final since 2017. Um, there's a couple little, I saw a tweet um, where a guy made a couple connections between Kamloops and Seattle. So the Blazers, of course, have Logan Stankoven with the Dallas Stars and um, the Seattle Thunderbirds have Connor Roulette with the Dallas Stars. So two little prospect uh, battles there. And then Kevin Korchinski versus Matt Slinkrin is the other one um, to that they're kind of looking at the battle of the 2022 prospects, although two the both are in two different categories, essentially. Yeah. But but I mean, it's a cool little thing that I saw um, on to the Eastern Conference. Um, I, I mean, a powerhouse. No, I mean, I everybody saw this coming. <laughs> like, I mean, this yeah. was no surprise that this was the conference final. Um, you know, we're going to see the Edmonton Oil Kings versus the Winnipeg Ice. And our guy, Zach Benson, leading the charge over there in the East with 18 yeah. points in 10 Holy games. Geez. I mean, shout out to him, Western-centric boy. Um, you know, it's the Ice's first appearance since 2011 uh, when they were formerly known as the Kootenai Ice. Of course, they sold and moved to Winnipeg in 2019, 2018. I don't really know. One of those years. And it's the Oil Kings return to the conference finals for the first time since 2019. It's it's kind of like what we talked about there. It's the battle of the prospects versus the battle of NHL players, essentially. Yeah, basically. It's, it's going to be a good one. I'm excited. I think that's something. This is one that's going to go full seven games. Yeah, battle the heavyweights. I mean, geez. I, it's kind of... Uh... It's sad to say that one of these guys is going to be out. <laughs> yeah, that's what's that's what's crazy. I'm just glad that, you know, as a as a Blazers fan, I'm glad that we we didn't have to deal with one of these guys. <laughs> no. Not yet. Yeah, at, at least. Not yet. <laughs> but yeah, it, you know, the Oil Kings they swept the Red Deer Rebels, I, you know, Archie Baines, uh, Canucks Canucks prospect had a good, you know, he had a I don't know, from me at that he had a relatively quiet series um but yeah you know points wise so i mean but again them talking is just so good and kosa has been so good so i mean kosa has been really good yeah so i mean goaltending has been a you know something that i you know kosa like we said in the past his numbers didn't look very good in the regular season but i mean yeah. well i don't know if you said really but he didn't he wasn't dominant i mean his numbers didn't look horrible i mean they were pretty good but um he wasn't a dominant goaltender in the playoffs though he's been he's been pretty good so um you know couple that with their high-powered offense that uh, includes uh dylan genther which we've talked about a lot as well yep. and yeah and justin Surtiff, and you know the list goes on about guys that are on that team and we'll we'll see how how they do against the you know winnipeg because they're a really good team too so it's so boy geeky are just two of the guys that headline that team so uh, good luck to both teams because it's going to be a heavy weight battle right into game seven, I think. It really will be. And looking at the numbers here, I mean, Kosa's got the better numbers going into it. I mean, he's got two less games played than Daniel Hauser, but I mean, a 1.48 GAA and a 0.932 save percentage to go along with three shutouts. Uh, it's pretty solid numbers. I mean, we, we've talked about the whole goalie spectrum and we've talked about, you know, Kosa and, 
him going higher in the draft and Wallstead and what that's going to entail for his future. And I mean, like, like you said, he didn't really have a key. I mean, obviously he had a great season, but he didn't have the, the season that I think people were projecting. Um, but his playoffs have been solid. Yeah. And he's, you know, he's leading the charge and that's where it matters. You look at what Andre Vasilevsky is doing in Tampa Bay and he's leading Tampa Bay. And, yeah. you know, he had to come up huge in that game seven against Toronto. And he, he did what he was drafted to do. And, you know, I think Kosa fits that realm in the sense that he comes in when it matters most and he wins the games for his team that they, they need to win. Yeah, that's what you need. That's all you need from your goaltender to play that um, solid in the key moments. I mean, you're not going to play ridiculously, you know, superstar level all the time. But no, it's when you make those saves. It's when you step up your game in those key, like like you said, with Vasilevsky in game seven. Um, and he's done it so many times. I think, yeah, Costa definitely has that same pedigree. I think he can definitely be that in the future, but we'll see. I mean, the thing is, is, the team in front of Vasilevsky is pretty good as well. So <laughs> yep. it yeah, also absolutely. takes, it also takes a good team in front of you. Uh, to, it does. You know, it back does. It up. I mean, you look at what, uh, just to stay on the goalie topic, you look at what um, Thomas Millich was doing over in Seattle. I mean, that's a kid who's an, he's, you know, he's coming into another draft year. He was undrafted last year. Um, but he, you know, he played 47 games as he was Seattle. His name kind of flew under the radar. He had a 27, 16, four record and all of a sudden the playoffs hits and he's just been a star for Seattle. Yeah. I mean, the 1.97 GAA and a 0.928 save percentage in 12 games. I mean, he's been, he's been really, really good between the pipes and he's, he really helped save them in that game seven. Um, and from what I saw online, you know, I watched a bit of the game. But from what I saw on Twitter, from what people said, he was a big reason that Seattle was able to steal the show in that uh, game seven versus Portland. So it's, you know, goalies are doing good things. And this is, you know, like, you know, the playoffs are where people, people come out and shine and it's where, um, you know, where heroes are made essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Happens so a lot. And that's just, I mean, that's goaltenders are usually the guys that do it because I mean, yeah. there's, you can't win without a good goaltender. So nope. No, exactly. And that's that, you know, we've talked about it before where, you know, it's just sometimes that goalie takes a little bit to, you know, develop and then you, you get there and it's exciting to see, you look at what Jake Ottinger is doing in Dallas yeah. and what he did. And that series is just phenomenal. And he, you know, Ottinger has now cemented himself as like a, a, a guaranteed, you know, star in, in Dallas's organization. Yeah. No, what performance by him. I mean, that's um, not WHL guy. He played in the USHL and uh, uh, Boston played University. College, but, too. Yeah. 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 So, um, but yeah, well, what, a, what a performance by him. Again, goaltending is just, he almost stole that series for Calgary and he did, uh, for, yeah. Cal for Dallas against Calgary. So yep, exactly. Um, he almost did. It was really close. I uh, went down to game seven overtime. And so, I mean, goaltending can be a huge difference in how, how your team, you know, your fortunes are because it can, good goaltending can cover up a lot of mistakes and a lot of holes in your team. And yeah, we've seen it happen in the past where a goaltender carries the team to the Stanley cup final and wins a cup. And uh, 
yeah so i mean there's there's definitely um something to say about that so we'll see what if costa develops into that type of goaltender he definitely like i said definitely has that talent so uh but it's gonna be interesting to watch how he develops uh, and heads up to the nhl at one point yep it, it's gonna be awesome to watch his development um as for a prediction for the edmonton winnipeg series i'm gonna say oil kings and seven yeah, it's going to seven for sure. I'm I'm going to go with the Oil Kings in seven as well. I, I think they have just a, that tinge a little more, and I think it's going to come down to the goaltending. I I agree. I think so too. I think that's it's kind of what I was getting at, you know? <laughs> I mean, that's, yeah, I, I agree. Because, you know, Kosa's got that experience when it comes to games that matter. And he's played at the World Juniors, played at that international level. Um, granted, they didn't really play at the World Juniors this year, but <laughs> but you know he'll, he'll play in August. But yeah, you know he'll I mean? get like, another chance. <laughs> exactly, exactly. May have I'm a WHL championship too. <laughs> and, and, well, and then there's just that, and so you know he's somebody that has played in those um, you know those big moments, and I think that's where it's going to matter. He may have also a Memorial Cup too. <laughs> that's very very true. Very true. Yeah. Um. Speaking of the Memorial Cup, I know that they're supposed to announce sometime soon who's the host for next. Oh yeah, year they haven't Memorial done that Cup. yet. No, they it was it was apparently they were gonna like I had read that they normally do it before the Bantam draft, but then apparently they just hadn't been done today. So people huh. are questioning what's going on. But I know Kamloops and Kelowna both put in bids, and I don't know if any other WHL teams put in bids. I can I don't exactly know how the bidding process works. But I knew, do know that Kamloops put in a bid, so that that would be exciting. That would be, yeah. <laughs> um, and so speaking of the draft, um, we had the 2022 WHL prospects draft this morning. Uh, we'll just run through uh, just li- literally like five or six names that were standouts. Um, as I mentioned at the top of the show, we have a special guest coming on next week. Um, we have Joel Henderson from Puck Preps. Uh, he's going to come on. Uh, very, very, very knowledgeable guy on all things WHL prospects related. So very excited to talk to him. Um, he'll be able to give us full rundowns of literally any any one of these players. So it's going to be exciting. Um, if you guys, of course, have questions, you, you do have a few days to get them in. So if there's a certain prospect you want to know, hit us up on Twitter or comment on the YouTube video. Um, but Gavin McKenna, no surprise at all, goes number no. one to the Medicine of Tigers. <laughs> Uh, in the quick little brief search that I did on some of these kids, I wasn't too brushed up on these, so I will try to keep my comments to myself on a lot of these guys. Um, he seems like he's a very, very solid player, and obviously to go number one in a WHL Banton draft, um, you know, says a lot, but he seems like he's a player that, you know, Benson Hat missed out on Cole Sillinger. They had him for like maybe like 16 games, but then, you know, the COVID hit and Sillinger went off to the USHL, and then he um, just somehow made the NHL, I mean, <laughs> and had that insane season. So, you know, McKenna is, you know, coming into a, an organization that is really wanting to reap the benefits of a first overall pick. And I think they've got a very, very solid player here. Yeah. And the thing is, um, you know, looking at what he did this season, 23 goals, 65 points in 35 games with the under 18 yeah. uh, Kelowna team. And, um, it's pretty solid numbers. So, I mean, I, you know, obviously to go, to go that high, he's a really good player. 
um you know research like i said i'm not i'm not gonna comment too much on it either because i'm not brushed up on a lot of these guys i'm more into the draft um right now the 2022 nhl draft more yeah the prospects there but um you know we'll we'll get a little whole bigger bigger rundown with joel uh next week so definitely stay tuned for that but just looking at you know on the surface you know looking at his stats that's you know he's got a couple shorthanded goals too so plays in the penalty kill so most likely a you know really true well-rounded player so I think, you know, of course, Medicine Hat needs all the help they can get. Didn't have a very good season. Um, they, they need some of those upcoming stars. So we'll see how he fits in uh, when he does uh, get there. Yeah, exactly. I think, uh, you know, he's somebody that, you know, like you say, yeah, he is very well-rounded. And uh, congratulations to, uh, to Gavin and to his family for uh, the honors of going number one in the draft. Um, as for the number two pick, uh, the number two overall pick went to the Tri-City Americans. They selected Jack- Jackson Smith, and the Victoria Royals held the third overall pick where they took Cole Reshney. Um, my, the Vancouver Giants, uh, they took Cameron Schmidt, somebody you'll have to maybe do a little research on. And um, what I did learn, Seattle traded up. So Seattle traded up uh, from, I can't remember where exactly they were trading, I think 15th. So they traded up. And that could be wrong about that, but they traded up to the 10th overall pick and they took Braden Coots, which was a big shock to a lot of people, I think, um, just for them to trade up. Uh, yeah. So Seattle is all in. I mean, like they lost out on Celebrini. So that's kind of unfortunate for them. Um, but I, I, I think the thing with Celebrini is they knew the gamble taking him because, you know, there was the thought that he would go to the USHL and go the NCAA route. Yeah. But, I think they get to replenish that with Braden Coots. And this is a kid who, I mean, the numbers that I saw out of him were outstanding. So yeah, um, good for him and good for Seattle to pick him up. And the Cowboys Blazers traded up as well. So they traded their 19th pick as well um, as a couple other, like a third round pick and a sixth round pick. And they traded up to the 13th overall selection and they took Nathan Bem. And he is a six foot, 173 pound center. Um, he who apparently draws a lot of comparison to Connor Zary. So I'm into it. Works for me. Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and on uh, Cameron Schmidt, uh, looking at his stat line, I mean, he's probably going to be a player I'm going to follow because undersized, five foot seven. Yeah. Um, you know, and he had 41 points in under 15 prep uh, for the Cologne Preps um, team. 41 points in 13 games. So <laughs> that's, that's pretty nice. good. <laughs> yep, definitely. Definitely. Well, hey, that's going to be interesting to follow because I like, I like following these smaller guys uh, and whatever success they get because um, they're always behind the eight ball having to deal with, uh, you know, playing in a league with the, that size and they usually overcome it somehow. So um, it's going to be interesting to see where, how he develops as well. It will be. Yeah. It's going to be, it's going to be cool. You know, we, um, when we started this show back in December, I believe it was, we had last year's little Bantam draft. So they, they kind of happened quickly, but that's because of COVID I guess last year and that kind of ruined everything. So they had to postpone a draft and then we get this draft like literally like eight months later, seven months later. Um, but very, very exciting. Um, very excited to bring you guys like a full, full, you know, review of it. Um, I'm spending all weekend doing a little deep dive, going to learn, yeah. going to learn a lot about these guys so we can have a good conversation with Joel. Um, 
The U.S. draft also took place. Uh, the, the U.S. priority draft, where they draft kids out of the United States. Well, go figure. That's the name of it. Um, <laughs> so with the first overall pick, the Edmonton Oil Kings somehow had the first overall pick. They took uh, Blake Fiddler. And if that name sounds familiar, that's because he is the son of former WHLer and longtime NHLer Vernon Fiddler. So ah. kind of cool little, you know, uh, relationship there. That's the word I'm looking for. So, you know, and I guess the reason that Edmonton took him, um, a lot of these guys, when they get taken, you know, like Macklin Celebrini got taken in last year's uh, U.S. draft and he opted to go elsewhere. Um, but the Oil Kings seem to be very uh, keen on uh, bringing him over. And he apparently has always wanted to play in the WHL because his dad played in WHL with Kelowna. And he um, apparently really wants to come to the Western Hockey League. Nice. So it kind of works out for the Oil Kings. I mean, and it works out good, I think, for everybody because you're drafting a kid out of, um, like, you know, the U.S. priority draft. He's playing down in Frisco, Texas, down in Dallas, like in Dallas. And, you know, he's opting to go play in the WHL and up in Canada rather than play in a U.S. league. So I think that's it works out good for the WHL, I think, too, in that aspect. Yeah, for sure, because they do lose a lot of guys uh, either to USHL or NCAA um, from this, mm-hmm. these priority drafts. So, yeah, it's always good for a guy that says, OK, I want to actually come to the WHL and play. So, um, yep. yeah, gr- that's great. That's great for uh for them even like even in the bantam draft like i saw joel tweet today um and we'll have to ask him about it he said like all my picks were pretty much correct except for one player who i knew uh was gonna go ncaa route so our teams would pass on them so i was like huh very interesting yeah but i mean like people know that too though like that's the thing with the bantam draft as well is that a lot of it's common knowledge heading into it, and that's why certain players who are higher on you know, higher on certain rankings will fall to a third or fourth round because a WHL team doesn't want to take the chance on losing out the rights to that guy. Like you take him high in the first round and you waste a pick because he decides he's going to North university of North Dakota, then yeah, it's not, it doesn't look good for you. That's for sure. Yeah, that's right. Same with the import draft when that happens too. It's, you know, guys that stay in Europe rather than coming over. I know that was a, um, a worry when Fabian Lysel was drafted by the Giants, but ended yeah. up coming over eventually. Yeah, but worked there out. was that that worry when they drafted him in that draft. Yeah, that 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 I remember that. I do recall that. And then he had said he was going to come and play, and everybody was all okay. We're happy now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, couple other notable NHL alumni saw their sons' names called as well um, at the U.S. Priority Draft. Um, so. Oh, God. Oh, goodness. Um, so Owen Nolan and Brad Stewart, former San Jose Sharks members, um, Brad Stewart's son, Jake, was selected second overall by the Brandon Wheat Kings. And Owen Nolan's son, Dylan, was selected 10th overall by the Prince Albert Raiders. Um, it's not known if either have the thoughts of coming to play in the Western Hockey League. Both their dads, of course, spent times in the WHL. Uh, Brad Stewart played three seasons with the Regina Pats and finished off his career with the Calgary Hitmen, winning a WHL championship and being named the CHL Defenseman of the Year in 1999. Um, and then Grant Jennings is the last guy, uh, former two-time Stanley Cup champion Grant Jennings, who won two Stanley Cups with the Pittsburgh Penguins in 1991 and 1992. 
saw his son Gordon's name get called by the Prince Albert Raiders, the 35th overall selection. Um, so some cool little notable relationships there. Um, it's always neat because like, that's how I know I'm getting old is when I see guys like this <laughs> and have their kids start getting drafted. Like, oh, like when Jerome McGinley's kid got drafted, I was like, Oh goodness. Oh, yeah. Goodness. Yeah. It's starting to, <laughs> when all of a sudden so, we'll see some, some Sedins coming out, we're like, oh, Well, that's what I'm saying. Right? Really old. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so pretty cool to see that. Um, so in total, 11 different states had players selected in the 2022 draft. And of those 11 states that included California, Minnesota, Texas, Colorado, Alaska, Arizona, North Dakota, Washington, Michigan, Nebraska, and Nevada. It's a pretty, so they're, uh, they're I mean, that, well, there was out. one state that kind of California dominated that Minnesota too. Yeah. California yeah. was 13. No surprise. Yeah. California's becoming more of a, uh, used to be not, uh, where you get guys coming from there, but it seems to be a bit more lately. It does. It seems for someone, I think it's just like all, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of hockey in Cal in California. I feel like I'm kind yeah. of ignorant on the subject, I guess, but like, <laughs> it seems like, you know, with the amount of teams there and all the AHL teams that are now based oh, that's there, true, yeah. there's just, there's a lot to go around, I think. And, you know, the ducks programs from what I've heard are really, really good. Um, the junior Kings programs are really good because a lot of their alumni, like um, from both sides, they partake in their youth programs and they help fund it. And they, you know, they're big advocates for the youth hockey down there. So I think, yeah, it works out. It's cool to see. It's really cool to see. Yeah. Sure. Um, moving things along, uh, the WHL Player of the Week and Goalie Awards. Matthew, I'll let you, uh, let you talk about that. Yeah. So Player of the Week, uh, New York Rangers prospect, Moose Jaw Warriors for Ryder Korzak. Uh, he led all WHL skaters this week with seven points, goal and six assists. Also, I mean, if you recognize the name, he also just signed his ELC out with the Rangers a couple of days ago. So uh, he's he's off to the, you know, he could potentially come. Now he signed his ELC. So who knows, maybe pretty soon before he's over and playing, um, trying to play for the Rangers or in their, with their affiliate. So, um, but yeah, seven Good points in the last week. So uh, Korzak, hey, he's been, he's been really good this season. So he has nice been yeah he's a, contract, he's a year so. older too so he could yeah he could end up with like hartford or something for yeah. sure yeah so we'll see we'll see how he does there and if he comes back to the dub for another season uh then we'll see again how much he can dominate so um other other one for the goaltender of the the week it was thomas millich he posted 1.7 goals against average we already talked about him so over three appearances in the last week he got goalie of the week and well-deserved because uh, now uh, he's into the second or third round now. So, um, but I think he'll get drafted too this year and what he's done. And I was surprised, actually was surprised he wasn't drafted last year in the later round. So I think he'll, will he'll get drafted this year for sure. I, uh, I wrote his profile last year for hockey writers and he was somebody <laughs> that I think I said where I was like, Oh, he could probably be picked up in like the sixth or seventh round. Like there's no risk. And now here he is doing good things and no team drafted him. So, <laughs> so yeah, he'll he, probably get drafted. Some, he will. He will. There's like, and again, there's no risk to draft him. It's like he can go in the fifth or sixth or seventh round and they can just 
see how he develops over the next few years. I think he's somebody that is a uh, is definitely a project. Yeah, and whatever team has a bunch of late round picks, I mean, yeah, there's no risk in it. I mean, see what happens. <laughs> yep, exactly. Um, 104 CHL graduates have moved on to the next round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Um, we won't run through all that because holy moly, that would take forever. <laughs> but just to name a couple, of course, from the defending two-time Stanley Cup champions, you have Cal Foote from the Kelowna Rockets in 2018, Brandon Hagel from the Red Deer Rebels in 2019, and Braden Point from the Moose Jaw Warriors in 2016. You know, it's always funny because I was listening to a podcast a couple of years. Was it last year? Yeah, it was last year. And it was with Pat Maroon, and they talked about um, Braden Point. And he said, like, people don't know how good this kid is. And this was before they went on to win, um, you know, win another cup. And, you know, Braden Point is like, he's a third round pick, if I do remember correctly. And somebody that just kind of, you know, came out of nowhere, essentially, for Tampa. And he's been this, I mean, look what he did in the playoffs against Toronto. He was, he just, he was a key reason to why they were able to advance. Um, and he's just, yeah, you know, his time in Moose Jaw, he did wonderful things for the Warriors. He was a very, very good player for, for the Warriors. And I actually remember watching him live in Camels one year and, you could just tell, like, just watching him go up and down the ice and watching him, you know, always be a step ahead of the other players on the ice, whether that be his teammates or the opposing players, that he was going to do something good in the NHL. Oh, yeah. Well, the thing is, I'm still surprised he got drafted so low. I mean. Yeah. Was it size? I feel like it was. It size was size. Kinda, yeah. He was yeah. undersized, um, which, I mean, makes at this point. Who cares? I mean, it's just, it makes no sense why you draft a guy lower because he's yep. undersized because he does not play like he, like he's undersized. Yeah. So, um, and that, and that's just, I mean, Tampa Bay, again, we've talked about this many times with their drafting and they got such good scouting and drafting guys later and other teams just kind of pass them over. I mean, look at all the guys they have or, or signing undrafted guys. And yeah. so, I mean, they build their team on that. Yes, they have Stamkos and Hedman who are high picks, but a lot of their successes come from lower end um, draft picks or unsigned, undrafted guys. Yep. That, and that's, that's the crazy thing about, like, about Tampa. Like, it's like, like, yeah, it's like lower, like they don't need to draft in that, you know, first or second round. We've talked about it um couple weeks ago we didn't record last week because we're both sick but we talked about it a couple weeks ago like nico hutanen dude's a seventh yeah. round draft pick and just like where the heck did he come from like yeah puts up 80 points in his first whl season it's just mind-blowing um yeah so i mean it, it's crazy to see that you see the development of these players and what they're able to do and um not that hutanen's undersized he's six three so but i mean Still, just a later round pick. Um, a couple other players, though. Uh, a couple former Vancouver Giants, actually. We'll, we'll, we'll list those guys off. Um, Milan Lucic, who, holy cow, he laid a, laid a boom hit on McDavid last night. Yeah. My God. <laughs> I don't think McDavid knew what was happening after that. <laughs> and then Jordan Martinuk with the Carolina Hurricanes. Um, he's a great guy. Um, Bowen Byram. 
Colorado yeah. Avalanche. Van Van Kane. Oh yeah. my god, yeah. Brent Kulak. They see Brent Kulak. There's a guy that you know we talked about him during the when he got traded, and you said when he was picked up during the trade deadline, he was an underrated pickup, and he he certainly has proved to be an underrated pickup. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Uh, he, like I say, he's a he's a very um, good complimentary piece, and uh, he's he's done really well in Edmonton. He did really well in Montreal, so. Um, no surprise that he's, you know, he's added to that defense, which, I mean, they needed more than just him, but, uh, but he's done well. Yeah. yeah, no, they definitely did, but they, yeah, they're, they've done, I mean, he's been doing great. Um, and then, yeah, just a couple other players to list off Kyler Yamamoto, Spokane, um, and Braden Schneider and Matthew Robertson, both who just recently played in the WHL in 2021 with Edmonton and Brandon, respectfully. Um, Braden Schneider's fitting in great in New York. I mean, you know, oh, he comes right. in and he lays that big hit right in his first game. He gets into a fight. I'm pretty sure he got his name on an, like an, the assist column. I mean, he's got a guy that he's just a hockey guy. And he's somebody that I think Rangers fans are just love. I mean, I know, and I know you know that Canucks fans want him. Yes. And if, there's, if there was something <laughs> that was going to happen, between the Rangers and the Canucks that maybe involved a guy named JT Miller. We want Braden Schneider. Yes. He's got to be in that package. hundred percent. He has to. All right. We will get to our last little topic here. So longtime NHLer Patrick Marlowe has finally announced his retirement. And I say finally, because he didn't play at all this year. So I think it was it was a long-winded discussion that he had with yeah. his wife and his family and something that he thought about. Um, I thought maybe he would come back this season um, just to give it one more kick at the can, try and maybe, you know, play with Tampa or play with Florida or, you know, even go back to Toronto, even though that didn't work out as great as everybody had hoped. <laughs> um, but, I mean, congratulations to him. Um, what a remarkable career. Um, you know, 21 years with the San Jose Sharks, 23 seasons in total across the NHL, um, 1,197 points, which included 566 goals and 631 assists. He was a Western Conference All-Star and a Canadian Hockey League second team All-Star in 1997 where he helped the Seattle Thunderbirds reach the WHL championship. Um, you know, internationally, Marlowe won gold with Canada at the 2010 and 2014 Olympics, as well as the 2003 World Championships and 2004 World Cup of Hockey. This is a guy who has a very uh, decorated resume. And, you know, the product of Saskatchewan um, spent two seasons with the Thunderbirds compiling uh, 199 WHL regular season points, which included 83 goals and 116 assists before being selected second overall in the 1997 NHL draft by the San Jose Sharks. Um, he, of course, you know, the Thunderbirds, he 125 points in one year with the Thunderbirds. I mean, that's pretty crazy. So <laughs> then that was, of course, the year that he helped lead them uh, to the WHL championship uh, where he had 23 points, 15 games. So, I mean, you know, hats off to Marlowe. Um, congratulations. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more, obviously, but congratulations on a great career and uh, all the best to you. 
Yeah, well, Marlowe has always been a guy I've admired throughout his time in the NHL. I mean, he, he's got heck of so fast. I mean, his, his skating was probably one of his best attributes and um, was really quick, even, you know, even his later part of his career. I mean, that speed never really went away. Um, still really elite player right to the end. Uh, and, well, I mean, you look at his stat line, like you said, and he's an all-time leader in almost every stat. Name a stat. And he's the leader in it for the San Jose Sharks. Yep. <laughs> uh, goals, crazy. assists, points, power play goals, shorthanded goals, games played. Um, there's probably more. Um, so, I mean, yep. he leads them all and probably very long time before someone can break it because Pavelski is not with the team anymore. Uh, Thornton's yeah. not with the team anymore. Uh, the closest guy still playing is Logan Couture. He has 296 goals. And that is almost what is that 200 or something away from <laughs> I, I i don't think he's gonna hit that that's remarkable very soon unless he plays a ton more hockey and 1779 uh, games wow yeah and six 1600 1607 with san jose so yeah he he's he's pretty good um you know throughout his career, I mean, San Jose, I think that's all when he was going to, if he did return, that's where he was going to go. He was going to play for San Jose. I don't think he was going to play for I, anyone I, else. I figured. Yeah, that's a good call. That's a good but, call. But, I mean, he did play for Pittsburgh. He did play for Toronto. I mean, that being yeah, the Pittsburgh where he signed thing was Toronto. weird, though, because they, the Pittsburgh thing was weird. They, like, because mm. didn't they trade him? Um, I could be wrong. So, somebody, if you know this or somebody listening can correct us, but wasn't he traded, like, during like the pandemic and then they like traded him and then he during the bubble playoffs he went and played for pittsburgh and then it just didn't work because like, he only played like eight games during the season yeah i, I um, just because his pittsburgh tenure like, was just really odd if i remember correctly he played yeah he because he played the eight games um and four games he, in the playoffs and, and the other thing that I thought was conditional weird was... sec in February, February 24th okay. is when he was traded conditional sec third round pick. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So he played right before until right before the season shut down. And then when the season um, restarted or they restarted the playoffs in August, he played that four playoffs, playoff yeah. games. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Oh. Like, see, yeah, it's, it was a weird. It was weird anyway. <laughs> well, it was just weird because he had spent like the two seasons with Toronto, came back to San Jose, spent 58 games, and then they they were like, "We're we're moving on." And he was like, "Yeah, I want to. I want to go win." And then he came back to San Jose anyways. So I mean, whatever. I mean, <laughs> it's probably a good thing that he didn't like come back again and then retire and come back and keep doing that. So. Yeah, well, that yeah, trade. Some, some people do that, so that's right. I mean, look at that trade that uh, Toronto did with, um, you know, the weird trade that he did. It was like a three-way or something like that. It was like trade oh, yeah. from Toronto to Carolina, and then it, it kind of a weird. I don't know what the heck all that trade was, but <laughs> it was also a weird trade that ended uh, his Toronto um, tenure as well because it was just basically a salary dump. They're trying to get rid of his salary, and they traded that conditional pick. I was became oh, Seth Jarvis, uh, just <laughs> as an aside. I love Toronto those little trade trees. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, those trade trees, and you look back at it, and it's just like, what? You lost on Seth Jarvis. 
Um, you know what he's been doing in the playoffs. So <laughs> former Portland winter Hawk. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. He's been great. I mean, that's a guy that I, I really like. I really like Jarvis. I'm very happy that he had the season he had this year with, uh, with, I almost said with Spokane, with Carolina. Um, I don't know why I would have said Spokane, but was he eligible to come back this year too? To go back to Portland, yeah. He, he could have came back to Portland. Yeah, oh my God. Imagine the wagon that would have been. Jeez. Like, yeah, he, 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 he would have. He could have. He would have been so good this year. Holy cow. Yeah, well, look at what he's done in the NHL 17 goals, 40 points. Uh, six goals in the playoffs so far here playing on, I believe he played on the top line in game one. So, uh, you know, yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah. Uh, undersized again, undersized with air quotes. Um, but he doesn't play like that. No, I mean, we're kind of got off the topic here because we're talking about Marlo. Um, <laughs> but that, That's you know, right. that trade, I, it was a weird thing just to get rid of some salary and, you know, they lost out on a great player, but Marlo is just, he's been just, you know, I, I said, I thought he probably would retire. I kind of looked him up not that long ago, kind of thinking, yeah, I was going to say, cause I was writing an article um, on Marlo and our writing of this day in history post on him. And, um, and, Oh yeah. It was something he, I think, Oh, he was, he was getting up there and like the games played in a row, the consecutive games, Iron Man thing. Mm, yes. And that was something that happened last year. And then I'm like, I'm like, wait, is he playing still? Is he retired? I looked it up and he hadn't officially retired yet. So I was going to say now retired, but he wasn't retired yet. So now he is, but I, I think it was just a foregone conclusion. He was going to officially announce that retirement. But um, I think, cause I last interview I saw of him, he was saying that he was still wanted to play in the NHL it just had to make sense. And I guess he couldn't find anyone that would make sense for him to play still. So um, congrats to him. He had heck of a career that's, you know, a lot of those San Jose players won't, won't touch in a long time. I don't even know if they will. <laughs> no. Well, so, the only guy like that's like that could catch him maybe even in games played would be like Brent Burns. Hey, Burns. That's, like, well, Couture actually has more games. Eight forty. Oh, does he? Yeah. Oh yeah. Burns came over from Minnesota. I always forget he played for Minnesota. Yeah. And he was traded and then he spent, literally most of his career there the but. next active guy for games plays action mark edward vlasic he's got 1161 so he oh. could now no he couldn't put him here he has to play another vlasic. 500 games yeah <laughs> there's no way he plays the vlasic plays another 500 that's a that's a very underrated guy i really like i really like vlasic yeah he, he's that um a little more offensively inclined chris tanev i think Oh, that's a good comparison. Yeah. Because he's that shutdown um oh, crap. good valve or what is it? For offensive defenseman, he can play and he's just very solid all around and yeah. uh, can play with those high-end offensive guys. Like I know he played with Burns for a long time and Carlson and uh I believe he played with Airhoff way back when too. Oh, Christian Airhoff. That's yeah. a throwback name. <laughs> I haven't heard that name in a while. He's been around for a long time. <laughs> he really has been. He's uh he's a guy that I talked about a couple of days ago with a buddy where I made the jokes that him and Latang are probably gonna go round their careers out in Montreal. <laughs> Steal French connection, go back. <laughs> so the only guy from that, uh just on the topic of Marlowe, the only guy left from that two, from that 1997 draft is Joe Thornton. Ah. That's crazy. Crazy. 
Like, wow, it, it's just crazy that like the Joe is still playing. Like, I mean, holy cow! And again, he's another guy that can. And this is we talk about guys that can change their style. Um, yeah, he has still productive and or not productive, but Steve still be useful. And Thornton has turned into that type of guy. He can still be useful on a fourth line. He can still win faceoffs. He's still a big guy. Um, you know, can hold his own. And you see him make those ridiculous passes still. Because, yeah. you know, when prime of his career, he was, I mean, he could make a pass in it, like through a little hole in the glass. I mean, <laughs> oh, yeah. Like his, his, like his vision in that passing. Oh. Yeah. Very I mean, precise. rivaling, like Henrik Sedin was really good at that too. And, um, Thornton, yep. he's just at the time, both of them were like probably two of the best playmakers in the NHL uh, when they were, um, you know, putting up those types of assists. Like Henrik had like over 80 and Thornton had like 90 something assists or something like that. Yep. So, I mean, generally more of a passer than a shooter. But uh, yeah, Thornton, he's a guy that can change his style and playing on third, fourth lines now. He's not that top six guy. Um, in Florida, he's on the fourth line and Toronto, he was on the fourth line. Is he um, injured? I believe he's injured again. Again, now, now injuries are starting to creep in um, more often. I don't see him playing for very much longer. But, uh, yeah, there's another guy. Like, Marlo could change his style, too. Like, he wasn't playing top six as much um, later in his career. So, uh, But that still, speed uh, is still something that lasted to the end. Yeah, and that's exactly it. That's but that's what I was gonna say too. Like his like Marlowe's speed was what you know kept him um able to keep up, you know, in today's game. And he he was good and he probably yeah, he could have he could have played just fine this year, I think, too. But you know, there was a number of factors I think that took took into place. Um uh obviously, uh, you know things were different at the beginning of the year than they are now. There was still not a lot of fans in many arenas at the beginning yeah. of the year. And that was a big thing for a lot of players. Like at 43, 44, do you really want to be playing? Like that no. was more important, right? Like it's, it's, you know, in his, in Marlowe's case, you know, he unfortunately never won a Stanley cup and um, they, they had the appearance, of course. Was that 2016 that they had the appearance? I believe so, yeah. That's a long so that, you know, they, now. My God. They had their, San Jose had their big chance. And, you know, Marlowe has essentially done everything other than win a cup. And I think that's why Joe, um, it, he, that's, that's why he's still here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Marlowe, I think a big factor from, I read an article about it. A uh, big factor for him was his family, too. Yeah, like yeah. didn't want to like move them around yeah they live in san jose or something so um that's why san jose is always the one i mean you know playing san jose you play there forever and san jose is like yeah yeah sure come back <laughs> yeah, exactly and i think that's where like you'll see maybe like uh like a what happened with marion hosa this past year you'll kind of see san jose do that where they'll sign him to a one day type thing yes. and honor them yeah. and get him back into back into the organization for another day and yeah they'll retire celebrate number. they'll retire yeah like 100%. oh they have they have yeah. to there's i mean there's nobody like like you said you look at those san jose records there's nobody that even comes close like it's him he leads the charge for everything yeah <laughs> but congratulations to marlo um and you know best of luck in retirement of course it'll be interesting to see what route he goes now though because 
he has that ability, I think, to be a, be a, maybe like a coach. Yeah, I can um, see that. I mean, yeah. It'd be interesting to see if he were to maybe think about going like to coach the Thunderbirds or going to the NHL, like what his, you know, what is, what's his, you know, next hobby going to be? Yeah. I wonder the thing is, um, will he take a time to kind of rest and kind of be with family like Trevor Linden did? Like he took yep. a couple of years, did some other stuff away from hockey and then came back the Sedins a year before they decided to, I think it was a year, a couple of years. Or they yeah. decided to do something in, in the realm of hockey again. So he may take a break and uh, see what he wants. But some guys just jump right into the coaching thing right away. So um, they really do. You we'll look see. at like <laughs> look look at Andrew Brunette. I mean, he he jumped in as like an assistant and he was doing assistant stuff and associate stuff, and now he's the head coach of the Florida Panthers. Yeah. Same thing so, with Eiserman didn't take long before he no before he jumped into that type of thing. In, oh man, Steve Eisman's creating a, a a god team over there in Detroit. It's or you know what they can do at this year's draft is really going to be interesting. Um, well, everyone's kind of projecting Savoy, and we'll see yeah. if Savoy drops that far. But but yeah, and like they they're lucky no matter who they get. I think they're in that where they're selecting. But Savoy would be oh oh goodness, <laughs> that'd be good. That'd be really good. Um. That about wraps up everything for the show today. Uh, you guys, of course, can follow us on Twitter at Western Centric. Uh, send us an email to westerncentricpodcast at gmail.com. My links are down below for all my work with Daily Faceoff and Nation Network. Matthew's work as well with the Hockey Writers will be linked as well below. Uh, check us on YouTube. If you're watching on YouTube, uh, hit that like and subscribe button. Uh, we will be back next week with a good episode with Joel Henderson of Puck Preps. Uh, enjoy your weekend, everybody. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.